Hi, everyone. It's Melinda Garvey with the See It To Be It podcast. This week, we have another great interview with an incredible role model. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the See It To Be It podcast. Welcome. Happy to have you all here today. I am Melinda Garvey. I'm the founder of On The Dot. And of course, we are all about providing incredible role models to you each week. And this week is absolutely no different. We have a very interesting woman in STEM. And probably a lot of you know, those are my favorite because I'm not a woman in STEM, but I really love talking to women in STEM and just understanding their path because I think it's so fascinating. So today I would love to welcome Shay Baramarad. And she is the VP of Engineering and Smart Grid at ComEd. And she's a fierce advocate for women in STEM through her work with the Power and Energy Society. So we're going to talk about all those things and everything she's doing in just a few moments. But first of all, Shay, welcome. I'm glad to have you on the show. Thank you, Melinda. And thank you for having me. Well, the first thing I like to do is I like to go way back. When you were growing up, what was your big dream? What was your big dream as a little girl? What did you think you were going to be when you grew up? And tell us just a little bit about your path and how you ended up where you are today. I grew up in Iran during war between Iran and Iraq, and I dreamed of becoming an astronaut. And at night, my mind would wander in the darkness to the sky and stars above me. And I became fascinated and astronomy uh, captured my heart. The original dream uh, played a role in my career path to become an electrical engineer. At a certain point, however, I realized that space isn't the only thing important, and I learned more about climate change, and I began to understand that the skills that I had developed um, pursuing my dream to go to the moon could help people in Earth benefiting from the sun. Wonderful. Very cool. Tell us about that journey. You're in Iran. You're growing up in a time where there's a lot of war and a lot of strife going on. How did you cut your path? How did you break free from that? How did you pursue your education and ultimately end up in the United States? My education has taken me all over the world because I can say sometimes the best ideas require travel. The things that I wanted to do professionally, I couldn't do it in Iran because of the limitations that exist in the country. Interestingly, I should share with you that about 65% of my class, they were women. and. Wow. I do travel around the world. Um, I have studied, at, I've gone to school in three different continents. And I should say Iran is the only place that I can say that over like 60% of women in an electrical engineering field in undergraduate are women. It's the only playing field that women can compete in an equal field with the men. I got an undergraduate electrical engineering in Tehran, and then I continued to Sweden in Stockholm, and I got two masters, one in electric power engineering and the other one in computer science from Royal Institute of Technology. And now I live in Chicago, where I got my PhD, and I'm an adjunct professor at Illinois Institute of Technology, and I teach courses related to design planning and operation of the grid of the future or elements of renewable and sustainable energy. What baffled me traveling and living in three different continents is the fact that the challenges that women face in energy sector or more specifically in technical fields, there are a lot of similarities to them. And it just made me 
develop this passion of getting and helping more women in, into this field. We're trying to create advocacy uh, programs and communities, not only in Chicago and in the U.S., but utilizing power and energy society and doing it globally. You talk about, you see these commonalities, you know, among the continents of the challenges that women are facing. What do you think some of those hurdles are? What are you seeing as some of the greatest challenges for women? If you don't mind, I'll I'll just talk a little bit about history. It fascinates me that if you think about the history of workforce, as written in most of written history, agriculture was the chief human occupation and heavy physical labor was not confined to men. Women used to perform physical demanding chores. Like if you think about like way back then, women performed things like grinding grain by hand in a stone or carrying water or gathering wood. And then fast forward to industrial revolution, it changed the work situation for both men and women. Whereas it created hard home and the center of production for family life and an industrialization of how the workforce looks like in factories and things like that. And then fast forward again in mid 19th century, change the role of good providers and women taking over most household and domestic tasks. I'm just going through these different history moments that define the roles of based on their gender um, in the workforce and in the society. And then after like 1920s, it was the time that women started getting back to workforce. It wasn't a physical force needed to run a bulldozer. And it was only, it needed critical thinking. It needed like skills that men and women can have both equally. I mentioned all of these things to say that there is no reason, there is no science that would suggest that women cannot do what men do. And it goes back to the societal stereotypes. And that's different in different places of the world, but there are a lot of commonalities. Women can be executives and and they can run companies as well as they can be in STEM, they can be in the operation side of a utility. So in any occupation that you think about going through history, women can be part of it. I just say, talk a lot to get back to the point that societal stereotypes is one of the roadblocks that hold women back. Yes, absolutely. And the power industry in particular, which I think as a lay person, I would think, oh, completely male-centric. But this industry in particular has made some really great strides to attract women and minorities. How have they done that? And like, how do you think other tech companies can kind of follow in their footsteps? Yes, we have made significant progress in power and energy sector. I can tell you that I'm taking my comment hat off and I'm the vice president of new initiative and outreach at the Board of Power and Energy Society. And we have spent a lot of time making sure that the, our board represents diversity, like geographical diversity, as well as gender diversity. So there's a lot of thinking, getting into our technical council, technical activities and working groups, making sure that we provide that opportunity to people with diverse backgrounds, as well as, you know, gender diversity and women. I should share with you that, in my opinion, women get over-mentored and get under-sponsored. And what we've been doing in, you know, Empower and Energy Society, trying to be mindful of that and opening doors and connecting and providing those opportunities that usually you provide it to people whom you know or you're comfortable with. These are few steps that we have taken in at PES or creating a safe environment and communities that women can talk to each other and learn from 
others who've gone through the past and ask questions and highlighting those role models. It's right. interesting. I've been in this industry over two decades, and this is the first time ever that my direct boss is a woman. Interesting. So finally, you sort of have that see it to be a role model. You can see somebody that come before you, which of course is, you know, everything that on the dot is all about. And I think it's really fascinating, you know, just focusing a little more on sort of these network and just, you know, for the audience talking about mentorship versus sponsorship. It's interesting you bring that up. You know, it's a huge buzz going on inside companies. And, you know, I think we all understand what mentorship is, but what sponsorship is, is really having someone who is advocating for you when you're not in the room. There's someone in your company that knows your accomplishments, can take those off, that knows what projects you're working on, that knows your successes, that isn't necessarily mentoring you, but that is actually of influence behind those closed doors. And I get asked that question a lot, like, what's the difference? Because if you're not in a big company, you don't always know that. But I think it's as important, even in the entrepreneurial world, to have those people that are the mentors that you can learn from and that can coach you, but also to have people that actually will speak on your behalf, that will kind of be that person that's going to advocate for you. I love that you brought that up. Very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And it applies to um, not only large companies. If you think about entrepreneurs, the first step for any great idea to raise money and where these capital, raising capital is coming from, from network and from connections and from people who can open doors for you. It goes back to sponsors, people who connect you and provide that opportunity that in a normal day, you don't have it. So And then in in larger uh, companies, thinking having an eye for special assignments or a visible role or being that sponsor behind the doors, as you mentioned, is extremely important. Yes, absolutely. I know that your company in particular, you know, has a network of women, the form to kind of provide this mentorship and bring up this next generation. You know, tell me a little bit about that and how that was formed and how you feel like that has kind of helped your culture, how that has, you know, driven some of these diversity initiatives. We do have a strong commitment to diversity and inclusion. Over 60% of our common executives are diverse. And I do travel a lot and I have a large network, not only in in the U.S., but globally. A a company with that many women that we have at Comet in technical roles, in executive positions. Excellent and Comet, there is an ERGs are very strong and we have an network of excellent women. And as part of that, we sponsor annual gatherings and we sponsor different workshops and trainings. We create communities for people to come and talk about their success stories, their failure. You can call it failure, but I call it learning opportunities and share it with the younger generation. And to some extent, explaining that what you are going through It has happened in the past. It's going to be okay. And bringing external speakers and running different workshops and educating our younger generation. So I think this is, these are the, that we have uh, taken and creating this network within Exelon and the mentorship and sponsorship that exists um, is something that we take it very seriously. Our process of promotion and succession planning is real and we try really hard to make sure that when we talk about different positions and successors, we do consider diverse backgrounds and we talk about women in many different positions in technical and operational roles. That's amazing. And I think it's interesting just to kind of follow on with this because this is, of course, something I'm super passionate about. 
Most people have been working remotely. And one of the things that, you know, I've been speaking with people a lot about is sort of what's happening in this diversity and inclusion space, because now suddenly everyone's even more fragmented. So women and diverse individuals were fragmented. That was sort of the original formation of the ERG groups to be able to bring them together and provide these role models and mentoring and sponsorship but it becomes even more difficult, not only because everyone is remote, you know, but furthermore, because there are other priorities within a company, you know, right now. So I guess that it's interesting, you know, just to sort of see how we keep these kinds of programs top of mind when there are so many other competing priorities. I would argue the other way that if there is a time that we have to practice empathy, we have to practice leadership is now during pandemic, during the time that a lot of communities and families are going through hard times. And, you know, history, and if you look around the world, many of the countries with women leaders, they've done a much better job at handling this situation. And I would take that in from a big picture to different companies. And I would apply the same concept that if there's a time that the diversity of thoughts and, and women are needed in, in organizations. It's now during this hardship. So true. You are definitely preaching to the choir on that one. I agree with you. <laughs> and, you know, keep on fighting the good fight and bringing these groups together because I do believe that right now, leaning in even more to these diversity and inclusion initiatives within companies is absolutely critical. So kudos for you all for having such a great program and such a robust program on that level. As we kind of wrap up here, I would love to know, is there a piece of advice that you've gotten over the years that's sort of always your go-to or a piece of advice you always like to share with these younger women coming up in the STEM world? Yeah, I would say it's okay not to be perfect. Don't wait for that perfect moment. Don't wait to know everything before you raise your hand for the next challenge. Don't work on anything to be perfect. It's okay not to be perfect. I learned that in a hard way. So that would be my advice to a younger myself and other women out there who are thinking about getting into any leadership roles within STEM or not STEM. Absolutely. And I, I love the, the saying, which is, you know, resonates with exactly what you're saying is that, you know, perfect is the enemy of great. And of course, yeah. we've heard the statistic about the woman who, you know, has 90% of the qualifications for a job will hesitate and won't apply. Whereas a man, if he maybe has 20%, no problem, he'll do that. And I think that women need to believe in themselves because I think that there is a lot of opportunity to sort of leapfrog, if you will, to get in because there are these initiatives and to just, like you said, don't wait for perfect. Don't wait for you to have every single box ticked every single qualification, believe in yourself that you can learn that and you'll be able to find the mentors, especially at companies like yours that have these great programs, you know, go for it and you'll figure out how to do it and be successful. Yeah, it's funny. In my role, I meet with a lot of men and women that they want to get different jobs and promotions. And it's exactly the way you said it. Time to time, I have to convince women in my team that you're overqualified for this job. But in their mind, they need like a few more years to learn every other skill that exists in their current job. The challenge on the other side is that women have seen other women, you know, they fail harder. You know, they don't get the passes that their male counterparts get. So I think that, you know, we've been trained to feel like, oh, gosh, we've got to do everything. But I think that the advice is sound is this is our time. We just have to go for it no matter what and, you know, fight the good fight when we're in there. 
That's true, yes. Thank you so much for talking with us today. And thank you so much for just the work that you're doing on behalf of, of women and STEM and being an advocate and sharing your story, your whole journey and where you are is, is really fascinating. So we appreciate you sharing and being a role model to others. Thank you for having me. And I want to compliment you for what you do. What you do is extremely important to highlight and keep this conversation going. It's, it's very much needed and more than any other time in, in the past. It's a great joy, and I get to meet the most amazing people like you and have these conversations. It's my absolute pleasure. So thank you so much, and we will be excited to keep watching you and see what you do next. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the See It To Be It podcast. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, subscribe to our free weekly newsletter featuring a new woman to watch each week. And check out over a thousand more featured women at onthedotwoman.com. Know someone we need to feature? Reach out at onthedotwoman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.